0: There are many people in and across the university who are doing excellent work. In our Changemaker podcast series, we shine a light on some of our staff and partners and discover remarkable projects that are shaping society. In this episode, Dick Schoen and Henry James discuss hydrogen as an energy source and how it could be part of a more sustainable energy mix in the home. Both are UWE Bristol graduates, Dick graduated in 1982 with a degree in Fine Arts, and now owns Boutique Modern, a manufacturer of modular homes. Henry graduated in 2021 after winning the UK STEM Awards Innovation Challenge for his GridGrow project. GridGrow explores how modular homes might use energy sources such as wind and solar. He's now project manager for Wells and West Utilities, and his focus is on decarbonising the gas industry. Dick begins
1: decarbonisation of homes. There are two very specific areas. There are there's new build housing, which at right now there needs to be more regulation, and these houses need to be built better. They need to be better insulated, you know, better constructed designed to, to be cheap to run and we can do that in new builds everyone who's building houses today should have and it does have building regulations which make sure that we build houses that are a whole lot more efficient than the housing stock that's gone before. I think the exciting thing with hydrogen is the simple fact that 99% of the housing in the UK has been standing for on the whole a very very long time and it's all different they've all been built in different times out of different materials in very different ways. The, the principles of their design is very different. And my, one of my big concerns about the decarbonisation of existing housing stock is that the, there is no single way to make all of those houses perform better. Some houses are designed to breathe. They need air to move around them. A lot of Victorian houses have a suspended timber ground floor. There needs to be air under that floor in order to stop the house from becoming very humid and really very uncomfortable to live in. And and if you block up all those holes, I mean, I'm sure we, we've all sort of uh, come across it in one way or the other. If you start making a house that's meant to breathe airtight, you have all sorts of problems in the construction materials of that house. So something like saying, well, your house at the moment is heated with town gas, we can now heat it in exactly the same way with hydrogen, is absolutely the right answer. Henry, tell me about what your work, what you're doing to, to develop hydrogen as a domestic energy source.
2: So, I'm currently working in a team, uh, and our focus at the moment is working with other gas networks, five of those, as well as Bayes. So, that's the, the, the arm of government responsible for transitioning energy to, to net zero. And essentially, we're working to build the evidence case to support repurposing of the current gas grid to hydrogen. And that's being done through various trials. Uh, and they are looking to jointly repurpose gas grid uh, and be the first to do so uh, in the UK to hydrogen and their target date for that is 2025. The plan there on is is that that will essentially allow government to make a policy decision on hydrogen in 2026. There's currently a, a number of ways you can produce hydrogen. So, uh, the people would have heard the the, the colours of hydrogen. Grey hydrogen production is currently the status quo of hydrogen production because hydrogen at the moment is produced in very small quantities, mainly for use in industrial processes, and that is fossil fuel derived. There's no carbon capture and storage, and there's essentially um, carbon emissions from that because you're splitting methane into hydrogen and carbon, so the CH4 element is is split out. The two low carbon forms of hydrogen production are blue and green, uh, and blue is essentially exactly the same as grey hydrogen production, uh, except you add carbon capture and storage technology onto that, so you can produce hydrogen at scale, which is what's being done for those trials at the moment, so it's seen as very much a transitionary fuel. That carbon is then stored away, it can be stored underground where it doesn't damage the environment. Green hydrogen production then is renewable derived, so that's the sort of utopia of production and it's what offshore wind developers are looking at now in terms of producing hydrogen purely from renewables, so you're splitting water, you're splitting H2O into hydrogen and oxygen, you get clean burning hydrogen and oxygen which can then be released into the atmosphere.
1: So so it takes a lot of electricity to turn water into hydrogen?
2: That it takes a lot of electricity, yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure in the exact quantities yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, at the mm-hmm. moment, but ultimately you know, the, the wind capacity around the shores of the UK is, is more than sufficient in terms of providing it's, it's developed in the correct way to, to produce enough hydrogen to satisfy the gas grid, mm-hmm. as well as other forms of hydrogen. Uh, and, and it's important to, to stress having a, a diverse source of hydrogen production to manage the, the peaks and troughs of, of peak demand mm-hmm. um, is really important to, to make sure that it can satisfy the gas grid.
1: So hydrogen can be seen as a a form of storage for... Renewable energy. So, if we, if we all know that the when the wind blows, we produce a huge amount of electricity from our wind farms. When the sun shines, we produce a lot of electricity from um, our PV fields. But we're not always using that at those peak times. So we could store that energy. Everyone thinks in terms of batteries, but we could store it as hydrogen and then use that to heat our homes, you know, along the course of time.
2: Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. absolutely right. So it's one of the big issues is that you know when. Uh, when the wind's not on a very cold winter's day, uh, it's very grey, overcast. You've got no solar capacity. You've got no wind capacity because the wind isn't blowing. You need a source of energy there to, to heat people's homes. That's where hydrogen could play a role, provided you can store enough of it, which is which is a challenge. Yeah. Um, but it could play a, a very significant role in meeting that that energy demand.
1: But this is the problem that I'm having with my new developments because I'm I, my company boutique modern specializes in very small developments, forty homes and less. At the moment, we're doing a development, an urban development, uh, very near where the factory is of seven houses. Now, I can get a lot of solar on the roof of those seven houses, but the very nature of solar, you know, you, you wake up in the morning, you turn your kettle on and all, you know, all that stuff. But storing that electricity, if we were to store the PV, photovoltaic, within that dwelling, or, or even in a community... Is so expensive and so, I think, sort of under-researched, I think batteries have still got a long way to go to reach their optimum. And I, I love the idea of storing energy in another form, whether it's, pumped water for hydro or whatever it, in a in a big place like, like you're perhaps talking about with hydrogen so that it's a centralized solution which is why I think hydrogen is a great way forward because it's a solution for everybody rather than a micro solution and as far as the volume of hydrogen it takes to produce a certain amount of heat is that similar to the gas that we're used to at the moment can we get the same amount of energy from the same volume
2: hydrogen has about a third of the calorific value so for a third of the energy content per meter cubed than natural gas so theoretically you need to move three times as much hydrogen about the network as you do natural gas so we're you know we're looking at increasing velocities in the network so we can you know we can push more gas through Um, it's it's challenging in that respect but in terms of the the consumer end uh, the intention is there'll be very much minimal change so um, you know in terms of a hydrogen ready boiler there's going to be very little change in terms of how you, you use that and how you heat your home and heat your water
1: Great. And can I check my gas boiler that I have at the moment, can I switch that over or will will I be able to switch that over to hydrogen or will I need a new boiler?
2: So it very much depends at the moment, so in the in the, tran- the transition plans for hydrogen, so I mentioned previously the, the policy decision around 2026 which is, is going to come off the back of the, the village trials which, which Bays are doing before that and next year we're actually anticipating a policy decision around blending in the network so that means that gas networks will be able to blend up to 20% hydrogen in the network by, by volume and that's very much seen as a, a transitionary uh, step to grow the hydrogen economy make sure producers can connect to the network and that the the mechanics of that work and that will enable a, a 20% blend in the network. High Deploy which was a, a project uh, led by one of the other gas networks has, has already gone and, and proven that boilers after a certain age, and now to forgive me I, I can't quote the exact age, uh, can accept that 20% blend already by standard and that requires no no changes to the current boiler and ultimately means that it'll be a very sort of low regret rollout um, across the network. The big challenge is actually getting the network to 100% hydrogen and, and, and getting boilers to be changed out so that they can they can accept 100% hydrogen, which they currently can't. One of the things which the, the major boiler manufacturers uh, are committed to at the moment is actually from 2025 onward, producing hydrogen-ready boilers as standard. Uh, at no extra cost to the consumer. We'll see parts of the network which will firstly convert to 20% hydrogen. And then what will then happen is as hydrogen uh, production, hydrogen producers begin to develop large scale hydrogen production. So we're talking about that gigawatt scale. Um, we'll see parts of the network begin to convert to hydrogen. And it's anticipated that 2030, we'll see the first hydrogen, fully hydrogen town, that's up to 20,000 houses, be converted fully to hydrogen. And then from there onwards, from 2030 to 2050, there'll be a national, uh, sort of nationwide conversion. So from a safety perspective, you know hydrogen is different to natural gas, and it behaves very differently in how it works. Ultimately, the challenge for gas networks, the challenge for government and the HSE is making sure that hydrogen, when it is is distributed in the gas network, uh, is no more dangerous, no riskier than natural gas uh, as it is today. Uh, and, that, and we're very much working towards that approach in terms of making it safer than it is today as well. And that's a real big challenge. But it's you know ultimately it's, it's one which is is being proven successful, and through the trials uh, which we're we're going to be seeing uh, take place across the network, that will very much build the the safety case and build the evidence base to to prove and demonstrate that it's very much a, a suitable replacement for natural gas and one which can be rolled out nationally.
1: What we're trying to do in our design these days is just reduce the amount of energy required in a house and trying to persuade people to use energy less and to think about how they use energy. We've got a number of projects ongoing but we did a project with 13 apartments that we built two, three years ago in Sussex and these apartments were pretty much all the same and we we were monitoring with the tenants um, uh, help the energy use in each of these apartments and we we had tenants who would engage with us and work with us and keep us informed on the way they were using their energy their electricity this is an all-electric building and other people who perhaps were less interested in communicating with us and perhaps even less concerned about the cost of their energy use And we were finding that a single person living in a one-bedroom flat next door to another single person living in a one-bedroom flat, one would be using 50% more than the other. And it, it was just purely the timing of what they did, the way they controlled their energy use. And we... As a, after experimenting in loads of different ways with these people, we gave them all a very simple, I think it cost £35 um, um, an energy monitor that they could put up by the kettle on their kitchen worktop, and it just simply shows you a red line and a green line. When I put the kettle on and the toaster at the same time, the energy meter goes red when I turn the, the toaster off, it goes green, and it just in the back of my mind reminds me all the time of the amount of energy I'm using, and we've had the greatest success in reducing the cost of living of the tenants in our social housing by just letting them see when they're using their energy and how much of it they're using. We've tried batteries, we've tried air source heat pumps, we've tried mechanical heat recovery ventilation systems, all of which cost a huge amount of money and are are toxic in their own production and end of life. And, And yet the biggest savings, economic savings, that we've given to our tenants is just by allowing them to control their energy use and understand where they're spending the money.
2: One of the challenges with electricity is it's just talked about as electricity at the moment. It's, it's not talked about uh, in terms of where that electric- electricity comes from. When in actual fact, 40% of our electricity at the moment, there or thereabouts, comes from, comes from natural gas, um, which means that it's fossil fuel derived, just the same as as blue hydrogen would be so that's a challenge so we need to start talking about that much more openly and i think it, it's it's clarity for consumers that when you turn on your, your kettle uh, and you've got a renewable energy tariff that 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 electricity even if it's it's renewable guaranteed it may not at that very moment in time be coming from renewables that's that's not the way it works so it's, it's having that transparency that uh, electricity on the grid is a is a whole mixture of different sources, whether that's nuclear, whether that's renewable, whether that's gas, uh, whether it's imported from from Holland and it's, and it's and it's and it's and it's you know from from coal or something like that. You know, it's 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 a whole mixture.
1: I, I think that everything that you said there, it's about small gains as well. Does it's a you know if 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 50% of my energy is re- electricity is uh, derived from renewable sources, then in theory I'm doing good really good and i think there needs to be this acceptance of small wins in the in the short term and a gradual achievement level i think the the carbon zero by f- by 2050 sounds a little bit like on new year's eve 2049 we're going to flick a switch and we're all going to be on, on renewables I think we need these small gains I mean I've been watching the David Attenborough series on Sunday night, Frozen Planet 2, and they're showing us very clearly the impact of the, what we're doing to the planet of, of overheating What they're not showing us in the same way at nine o'clock on Sunday night with all the music and the big graphics and the great personalities and the beautiful photography is what we can do about stopping it. There are many ways that could be communicated in a very attractive, very charismatic way on TV I believe to an awful lot of people that you, you can save money. So, I mean it is money that we're saving that we also happen to be saving the planet as well but there are those little things.
2: Yeah first and foremost I'd say the reason why I go to work every day is because of what Attenborough's doing every Sunday night and, and showing and demonstrating that, that the ice caps are melting that we need to do something. Uh, UK is very progressive in, 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 in what they're doing at the moment they could be better at it we could always be better. There is no one size fits all solution by any means. Hydrogen is not the answer for every single home. But ultimately, you know, the success with wind, onshore and offshore has proven that we're heading the right direction and hopefully hydrogen will play a role in that.